0: The Missouri women's basketball team downs number one South Carolina, and this is as big of an opportunity as this program has ever had to gain and retain new fans. Plus, we got to talk about the men and their beat down at Lexington, Kentucky. All this and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hail, you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball each and every weekday. Well, as much as I possibly can. And of course, we got to start with women's basketball today. Yes, we normally start with men's basketball, but you know what? When you knock off the number one team in the country, guess what? It's ladies first in that scenario. But just quickly, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special year-end financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. And yes, somewhere out there I can promise you, ladies and gentlemen, that former Missouri AD Jim Sterk has a big Chesser cat grin on his face right now. And what an unbelievable victory by your Missouri women's basketball team tonight. Not only did they take down the consensus undefeated number one team in the country frankly their arch rival in the SEC over the last few seasons obviously I alluded to the Don Staley kerfuffle and rivalry over the last few years but considering that Missouri had what five six players ruled out with COVID protocols including Asia Blackwell Their 13 rebound, double double player, their best player on the team, quite honestly, their anchor. And somehow they pull off the upset anyway. And it took absolutely everything every single one of those young ladies had tonight. It was really impressive. And quite frankly, if there was a half a second left on the clock at the end of overtime instead of .1 .1 seconds, well, South Carolina wouldn't have actually won the game. That's how close it was. And and quite honestly, as happy as I was that Missouri won that game, even if they would have succumbed at the end of that ball game, I think you saw so much fight from these young ladies and, and skill too, by the way, that you just have a lot of hope going forward for this, for this season. And I'll be honest with you, I had said at the beginning of this season, Missouri needs to give me a reason to care about women's basketball right now because in the post-Sophie Cunningham era, there just hasn't been a lot to get excited about. Well, guess what? They've given us fans a lot to get excited about so far, not only in the non-conference season where they played a really, really tough ball game against the Baylor Bears, one of the top five teams in the country, but just overall looked really solid but now with this kind of victory, you want to talk about a galvanizing effect that you can have on a locker room, on a team, and really an entire program. This is a really special win for these young ladies. And my goodness, Lauren Hansen, talk about a moment she's going to remember for the rest of her life, hitting the game-winning shot over the number one team in the country. I mean, Robin Pinchden even said after the game, she said, I still expect the Gamecocks to win the national championship. I don't blame her for saying that. I, I can't disagree. That's not just putting over your opponent. That's a pretty obvious take, honestly, when you really look at it on paper, especially with the UConn Huskies having some injury troubles and struggling a little bit. Now, first of all, let me give. Robin Pinchton, a lot of credit for a good game plan because I thought, considering Missouri was obviously very shorthanded, they played seven players in that ball game, five of which played 38 minutes or more. Three of them played over 40 minutes, including Haley Frank, Mama, and Lauren Hansen all played over 40 minutes. I'm just telling you that was the absolute definition of a team effort. Now the two young ladies who came off the bench didn't even attempt a field goal. So those five, the main five there, it was Frank, Williams, Mama, Lauren Hanson, and Haley Traup, they all had to they all had to contribute. They all needed something from them. And to see Mama knock down two three pointers down the stretch, scored seven straight points at one point. What a great moment for her as well. But Lauren Hansen, you guys know that she's my girl, right? If you've heard me talk a little bit about women's basketball, you know that I love watching Lauren Hanson, mostly because of her ball handling and playmaking ability. But I tell you, Haley Frank had to be the MVP of the game, scoring 21 points on just eight shot attempts, played 43 minutes, and also played some underrated good defense in the paint against obviously a much bigger South Carolina team. And again, give Robin Pinchton credit for a good game plan. I thought the 2-3 zone just clogging the paint, forcing South Carolina to take, frankly, open mid-range jump shots, very makeable shots you know, I think you had to live with that. I think you just had to hope that South Carolina was just a little bit off from that range. And fortunately it happened. I thought the game plan was executed well, and fortunately it worked, but mostly you got to give all these young ladies, just an incredible amount of credit playing shorthanded playing against the number one undefeated team in the country and pulling out a victory. Unbelievable. You know, honestly, Hopefully they can just keep this going, have a strong SEC season, and if they do, this crowd they had tonight, I think a lot of people with Missouri, the men's team, really struggling and not being a lot of fun to watch right now, well, I think this team has a huge opportunity to actually build this program, its fan base, to a higher level than it's ever been before. So congrats to the Tigers, congrats to Robin Pinchton, just a big tip of the cap on a Huge, huge opening victory in the Southeastern Conference. And coming up, unfortunately, the result wasn't quite as kind to the men's program down in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. I want to get to all of my thoughts on that game. But first, you know what? This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business poor visibility, because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. Well, to see the whole picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, which is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Whether you need control of your financials, inventory, your HR, planning, budgeting, or even more, NetSuite has you covered with everything you need all in one place. So guess what? A lot of this stuff is tough to navigate. You small business owners know what I'm talking about. NetSuite can help you automate your processes, close your books in no time while staying ahead of your competition. And over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And for the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash locked. By the way, just a couple final thoughts on the women before we get to the men. Number one, great to see Sophie and Lindsey Cunningham being a part of that rather large Missouri contingent tonight, and also fun to see Sophie Cunningham caught on camera with a Michelob Ultra. Ah, yes, WNBA stars, they're just like us. Well, they're just like me. I'll I'll put it that way. I I enjoy the occasional ultra at a Mizzou game as well. But anyway, I digress. One thing I just wanted to point out as well, as much as I I love a lot of these women's players from Missouri – one lady I wasn't that familiar with was LaDeja Williams, and she was really a revelation for me in a very positive way with her Hakeem Olajuwon-like pivot game. She had a bit of a one-footed jump shot, too, that I enjoyed, so LaDeja Williams needed all of her production in that game, was really impressed with the smoothness of her game with her back-to-the-basket around, around the bucket. She's another fun player to watch on that women's team. But you know what? Yes, we do, unfortunately, have to switch to the men's basketball team. Yeah, you know, the Kentucky game, unfortunately, went about how I expected. I hate to say it. And, well, speaking of COVID protocols, of course, Cornell Mann was your head coach with Conzo in the protocols. By the way, Nick Bolton, Marcus Golden, also in the protocols in the last week or so. Also, hey, kind of ironic, right? Boston College had its bowl game canceled, even though, well, when I went to Boston, they had vaccination requirements, unlike Furrow Field, Missouri able to get its bowl game in. So, gosh, at this point, kind of seems like the virus is going to do what it's going to do. But you know what? I digress. Again, let's get back to Missouri and Kentucky and Lexington I think maybe the most controversial decision of that entire game had to be Cornell Mann's decision to sit Kobe Brown with 14 minutes and 26 seconds left in the first half when he picked up his second foul. Now, first of all, we see this a little bit too much in college basketball for my taste. Just a road player, a great player on the road ends up getting just two quick fouls because I don't know, reasons. I, I, I don't even want to get into the specific fouls tonight. But I could go for six fouls almost in NCAA basketball. But regardless, the rules are what they are. And to me, if you're a Cornell man, there's no reason. His, his explanation was that, hey, if we're going to win the game in the second half, well, we're going to need Kobe Brown. Well, I can't disagree with that logic whatsoever. The problem is Missouri was in the ball game in the first six minutes there. And then when you sat Kobe Brown, well... You're down by seventeen at halftime. So to me, see, on the other hand, if you're Kentucky and two of those two of their best players, say Oscar Sheebway, say Savir Wheeler, say both of those guys get into foul trouble early. Well, if you sit them for the final fifteen minutes of the half, if you're Kentucky, especially at home, you have the you have the luxury of playing your 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th and 7th best players and not only keeping a float but probably keeping the lead against a team like Missouri. But if you're Missouri and you're the underdog, to use a poker analogy, if you're short stacked, you can't just check every time and wait for pocket aces. At a certain point you got to shove your stack in the middle and make a move. Well, to me shoving your stack is playing Kobe Brown and Amari Davis for the rest of the half, despite the fact that they're in foul trouble. Because you really don't have any other choice. You're already outmanned against the Wildcats. So to me, you just have to pray that Kobe stays out of foul trouble, Amari Davis stays out of foul trouble, for not only the rest of the half, but the rest of the game. Because unlike the Wildcats... Missouri does not have the luxury of sitting two of its best players for an extended period of time and actually expecting to hang in there. So while there's a lot of debate about the, hey, when do you sit a guy with two fouls in NCAA basketball, that's a huge debate. Well, to me, there's no hard and fast rule. If I was Kentucky and I had that situation, I I probably would hang on to my guys, knowing that I can save those guns for the second half. But if you're Missouri and you're the underdog, you don't have that luxury, and you gotta play your best guys and just and just hope it works out. If they foul out with 15 minutes left in the second half, well, so be it. You're probably gonna lose anyway. Unfortunately, Missouri has still never won at Rupp Arena in Lexington, and it's lost its last five games in Rupp. By an average of over 28 points per game, that is absolutely brutal, ladies and gentlemen. So I have to say, as much as I expect the sort of sports information director who runs Missouri's Twitter, runs their website over at mutigers.com, of course they're going to be positive. But when you say, when you see that account put out, played tough, will continue improving. Well, the question is to me, it's really easy to be snarky and say and, and question toughness, but I really don't question Missouri's toughness. I think those guys play hard. I think they want to win. But the will continue improving, well, what is that based on? Have they improved from game one to today? That's the question. And let's answer that after the break. But first, I want to tell you about bet online. And bet online does have you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues on, yes, tomorrow is the beginning of the college football playoff. Of course, bowl season on New Year's Day continues in earnest. And of course, the NFL Keeps rolling on the NBA, and of course, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for you, including your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKED ON. Once again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. When you use the promo code Locked On at Bet Online, where the game starts. So again, you expect the Missouri Twitter account to be just relentlessly positive, no matter what. I, I don't blame them whatsoever. But when they put out, played tough, will continue improving. It's tough not to question the end of that premise. Mostly the, will continue improving, because number one, have they improved from day one? That would be my first question, because the, well, we can argue about whether they'll improve from today. The future is always unknown, but I think we can make a pretty fair assessment of this team, at least on what it's done so far, and statistically, this team does absolutely nothing well let me say that again this team statistically does nothing well also missouri doesn't really have a true center a guy a rim protect well you know what trevin brazil is a rim protector but he's not a true center okay but at the very least maybe you could imagine trevin brazil play, playing center at some point in a sort of not that he can match up with a guy like oscar sheibway for kentucky But you can't imagine a world where he could be an effective five against a lot of teams. On the other hand, while they don't really truly have a true center right now, they definitely don't have a true point guard, and certainly they don't have any outside shooting. Then on the other side of the court, I would say they're average at best, and I'm talking nationally, not compared to the SEC, but nationally, they're average at best at defense and rebounding. So what's left? What does this team do well? That's the problem. And again, Missouri finishes the night five of 25 from downtown. And according to Data Mizzou online, they were three of 21 from three on quote unquote open looks. So it's not as though Missouri doesn't have good looks in this offense, but on the other hand, I think defenses at this point are just daring Missouri to shoot from the outside, and they're absolutely packing the paint, making the paint just impossible for Missouri's relatively unathletic wings, especially to score. So it's just a problem and one that I don't know how Missouri solves, at least in this season. And you know what, finally, before we get out of here, I've talked enough about the Missouri men's team for tonight, so I want to give a quick shout-out to the late, great John Madden. Now, of course, over the last couple days or so, many, many people have had their say about the incredible legacy of John Madden, but you know what, I just wanted to to say a few words about Madden as well. And just quickly, for those of you who are younger younger, Younger parts of this, even if you 're my age, quite honestly if you 're forty something like I am, well, John Madden, you might not be aware of this, but he is actually has the highest career win percentage by a head coach in NFL history with a hundred and three wins, and he won nearly seventy six percent of his games that 's unbelievable, especially when you consider the guy also became the absolute premier football announcer for multiple decades a guy who was had such a gigantic personality that of course he led to lots of imitators that just weren't nearly as good number one and really the ultimate compliment to me that you can give John Madden or or any sports broadcaster when they're calling the game it just seems like a bigger deal And just for a quick digression, I've always felt that way with with Missouri alum John Sunbold as well. Anytime Johnny is calling a game, anytime Sonny, I should say, I don't know why I called him Johnny there, Johnny Sonny, his new name, but seriously, anytime John Sunbold is calling a game, it just feels like a bigger deal. And there's no doubt that you can say that about John Madden too. And you want to talk about a guy with such a big personality I mean, he popularized something like Turducken, a guy who would just get so excited about a turkey duck combination on Thanksgiving. Well, suddenly now everybody in America knows what Turducken is. He had such a forceful personality that when EA Sports came to him and said, We want to create a video game and put you as the face of the franchise. Well, not only did that make complete sense because John Madden was such a huge celebrity and such a gigantic personality, he was in some ways the face of football, much more so than these guys who had helmets on every single Sunday and Monday. And not only that, John Madden wasn't just a guy who accepted a check to be a part of John Madden football. No, he insisted from the very beginning that it was, quote-unquote, real football. That you would have all 22 guys on the field at the same time. That it would be 11 on 11. Now, that might not seem like a big deal in the era of PlayStation 5 and all these crazy graphics and all this advanced stuff. But trust me, look back 30, 35 years ago when Madden football first came around. Look at the quality of those graphics. Look at the computing power of that was available in the late 80s, early 90s. And you'll realize that John Madden's insistence on putting 11-on-11 football in a video game advanced not only sports gaming ahead, but also video games in general. They made them figure out a lot of stuff there. They made them use the most they possibly could have with their computing power, simply because they wanted John Madden that badly, and John Madden was like, he wasn't just willing to put his name on anything. So we owe that guy a huge debt of gratitude. And as a, as a man of, as a millennial, as you can imagine, and as a huge sports fan, a huge football fan, I've logged so, so, so many hours playing John Madden football over the years. And quite frankly, as a guy who went to Southern Boone County, Ashland, Missouri, well, we didn't have football when I was there. I was a basketball player and all that good stuff. And I would have absolutely loved to have played some offensive line in high school, for instance. But we didn't get varsity until a few years after I graduated from high school. So really, it was John Madden football that in so many ways taught me the very basic X's and O's and terminology of football. And also just, you know, the guy as a broadcaster just had such a knack for making the complex parts of football understandable. And that's something I like to do on this podcast as well. And I got to say, John Madden was definitely an influence on me for that. So John Madden, Dead at 85 years old, a life incredibly well lived. I think we should all be fortunate to obviously live the kind of life that he had. Who, who, does, who has lived the kind of life that John Madden's had? But he did it with grace, he did it with style, and a lot of fun and personality. That's, I think, what I'll ultimately take away from John Madden. When that guy was around football, when he had a microphone in front of his face That guy was having a really, really good time. And I'd like to thank you're all having a great time listening to me on this podcast because I know I'm having a great time making it. So once again, thanks for making this your first listen of the podcast day. So you know what? A little bit of piece of advice. Make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop. For all your gambling needs, Locked on Bets, hosted boy by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.